Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 212 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, uh, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, Colin, Commander Phoenix to Fire, Ford. And joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode, we have our Lavian Brace Program Director, Commander Kurgle. Hey, how's it going? We have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. We have a rather croaky Head of Health and Safety, that's Commander Aidley Vice, Ben Moss Woodward. Yeah, I'm feeling a little hoarse today. Mm -hmm. And finally, we have our Chief Bar Steward, Grant Psycho Cow Wilcott. Good evening, and I'm feeling a big horse tonight. Right, if you wish, you can join us live. We are hanging out in game in open, I do believe, around Lave Station. We are oh, around yes. Lave, and we actually we're going to be filling up the EIC with brandy this evening, hopefully. So, yeah. We're, we're, so we're, we're, we're finding more brandy and giving it to them again. Okay, so we're building up stocks of brandy. So we if are. You, oh, dear, we are. Ben is the real reason that we're out of Lavian, right? Because he's got something for his throat. <laughs> Ow, a better a better theme would have been champion the wonder horse. Well, that's even I older. That's a black and that's a black and white one. You need the black. You need the My Little Pony theme, really. Oh, oh no, no, no! Ben just, is now showing just off. Just Lister. Yeah, Ben, you stop showing off that you're a brony, okay? <laughs> we all know. And if you don't know what a brony is, just look it up. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. Anyway, if you can't get in-game, then we're also in Twitch chat, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live. Click on the live chat. And, of course, we're live on Twitch TV slash laveradio. So it's been an eventful couple of weeks, uh, and I've been away for a while. So we'll start off with everybody's news, I guess. We'll start off with Commander Kirkle. How have you been, sir? I've been okay, mostly getting over being really, really ill last week, um, and like my, my uni's just starting up again, so I've got a huge pile of books to read, um, battling in Lave to help save the system, which I think we'll talk more about later, and um, yeah, it's been pretty good. Excellent. Commander Shan, how are you? I'm very well. I've had a, quite a hectic couple of weeks, although not for me personally, but family-wise, um, there's some of you my, my youngest son is um, working his way through phase two to be in the household cavalry. And um, last week, they stuck him in a car and go, right, you're in this car, learn to drive, because your driving test is on Friday. So, oh. so they stuck him in the car for a week. He's then passed his driving test, amazingly oh, nice. enough. And um, we, well, he brought himself a car today, so we're picking that up. Congratulations, Sham Junior. But we thought it was quite funny because it, it seemed to be like in the First World War, you know, where they got a soldier stuck in an aeroplane and they go, right, that goes up, that goes down, that goes left and right. Now go and shoot down the Red Baron. It just kind of sounds a bit <laughs> like that, really. Okay. And, uh, and sorry, in game, I've been going to and from the Gnosis about 20 times, recovering all the bits I sent out there. Just so I'm part <laughs> of it. I'm far too much of a cheapskate to um, pay for them to all come back again, you see. So I've been loading up anaconda loads of stuff and ferrying them back. 
<laughs> that is, that takes cheap to a brand new <laughs> considering <laughs> considering how much you actually have in the bank. <laughs> oh, well, it's like five million credits to transfer a seven eight shield, and it's like now not coughing up five million credits just for that. <laughs> ben, apart from being sick, how have you been? Uh, well, it's my son's birthday, so I'm actually I'm blaming this luggy on him and his friends. Um, but it was my son's birthday over the weekend, and that was awesome. Apart from that, I was basically I've been kind of similar to to Kurgle, I guess. Um, in that I've been you know doing stuff in and around Lave. Uh, there was there was a civil war to the week, and I while I'm while I'm here, I, I I will try and give a shout out to some of the guys who gave us a hand. So that'll be like the, people like the Hutton Truckers, East India Company, the Privateers Alliance, Mobius. Ace Dragons, Start Squadron, Paladin Consortium, and other independent commanders who helped keep Lave an independent system. So, thank you yeah, guys. I'd like to second and, all that. Yeah, it is big time appreciated, even though I can't really go on and wax lyrical about it just now. Mm. And things. And things. Yes. <laughs> so, um, it's with <clears throat> bated anticipation that everybody is waiting for the bathroom update, Grant. Have you been doing anything else? You know what? Well, last week, obviously, um, we did the tiling, and um, Simuf assured me it was a two-hour job. We would be done in two hours, and it'd be awesome. Eight hours later, <laughs> we were still <laughs> we were covered in about four inches of uh, bloody adhesives. But we had the tiles down; they were flat, they were lined up beautifully, they looked amazing. And we've now had to leave it a week to properly set before we can do the slope tiles. So, yes, progress has been made. Once the slope tiles are in, then it's on to the, well, the 3,000 odd um, wall tiles. And then it'll be done. Oh, you're going to be streaming the tiles drying. Well, yeah, things didn't quite work out that way, but never mind. Um, I didn't get my extension in there. And actually, we had at least it, half a person waiting. If it had been, try. you know, if it had been done in two hours, I think then that would have definitely been possible. But eight hours later, there was uh, difficulty finding any, uh, well, frankly, any fucks to be given. Um, at that stage, it was all about getting out of our uh, almost cemented clothing and uh, trying not to set like a weeping uh, statue. So. It looks amazing. I will get photographs of the sort of uh, empty room and then the tiles down half and then the the next stage is either going to be the door or the rest of the tiles on the floor. I'm not sure which. Door might be quicker. Um, so we're putting a new uh, zero uh, hint. It's not a door without a handle because if you're in a wheelchair, this door you push it and it swings open and um, doesn't have hinges at one side. It kind of hinges in the middle and rocks out the way. Um, so that's going to be spectacular. I'm quite, quite surprised if we actually freaking manage it, and she doesn't just touch it once and it falls out, uh, which is very likely. So maybe maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll live stream the first push on the door just for a giggle. Um, other than that, um, it's been all go. As I say, it's Christmas time in the Wolcott house at the moment because Susie has got to paint 15 new Christmas images, and in order to get into the mood, we put on her. Her favourite Christmas songs, which are the most bizarre, depressing, <laughs> torturous. I mean, okay, wait, listen, Rudolph the Red. No, it's bad enough, 
for listening yes. to Soft Jan Stevens. Sorry, Sofian Stevens um, and his, uh, his. Is it is it basically Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, but in jazz with a minor key? You know, no, no. It, uh, it's it's so hard to explain this. Hold on, because I think if I can, if I can find. Any on must correction. Oh God, they are here. Oh, he's wanting to share the pain now. Look oh at God, this. Let's see. Isn't it bad luck to play Christmas songs before Christmas? Right. Okay. So. Well, in that case, Morrison's Morrison's round here needs shooting. Warning, because technically, officially, we shouldn't be playing any Christmas songs. But if I'm going to suffer, then you guys are suffering. Next week, I believe, <laughs> is the end of the September weekend, which is officially the start of retail Christmas. Kill me now. Kill me now. Ugh. Oh, Christmas. There's no oh, sleep. Really it's like Hillbilly Christmas, isn't it? Needs more cowbell. Hillbilly Christmas. <laughs> right, well, if, if what I've been doing in yeah. Kingston since... Uh, Hillbilly Christmas, is that Santa coming out? You look mad if I had that sleigh, boy. <laughs> Go on, man. What's that noise? Oh, Santa's eating reindeer on the roof. Um, <laughs> right, oh, God. Right, so we offended uh, well, two of our listeners. Sorry, so Santa's sorry. sleigh has lots of moonshine in the back. Glasgow, of course it does. Oh, <laughs> bottles of bucket. If it's got moonshine in the back, it'll have to be called the General Lee and be orange and, and do outrageous stunts then, won't it? <laughs> the outrageous stunts driving it. Right, um, okay. That the... wouldn't be cunning stunts, would it? It could be. We uh, also in game. In game. Um, if you remember the last time we did a live stream, I managed to nurse my ship back to Colonia, all the way from where I'd smashed it into a star during a podcast on my way out to Beagle Point, and um, I crashed in the letterbox and ended up getting a rebuy, which was a bit heartbreaking after all that effort to drag my arse back. Anyway. So since then, I have been trying to get out to Beagle Point again, and with a bit of luck, later on in the show, I'll he's get jinxed there. it. You, you've jinxed it now. You're going to go into a star. We just know it. I, it. <laughs> I was ninety four percent of Hull before tonight, and now I'm ninety. So the, there's a, a strong possibility <laughs> I might not get there still. Is that ninety four percent remaining or ninety four percent destroyed? Uh, well, I, I, if you remember last week, well, um, the Hutton Trucker show where I left Colonia on my way back out to Bugle Point and I left the docking slot with 98% hull. So um, it wasn't the best start to my journey and it's kind of kept going like that throughout. But it's going well. It's going well so far. So fingers crossed, tonight is the night. I see. Well, yes, we will. We will uh, keep everything crossed to make sure that you that uh, you can make their cow. Um, so that just leaves me. Um, well, as everybody knows, it's been a quite difficult month or so for for myself. Uh, what with being diagnosed with heart failure and then actually having a heart attack. Which can I just point out to anybody who uh, who is thinking of having one? Don't. <laughs> I'm now on. Can I more? can I point out the irony actually here, Colin? Go on. You're probably the fittest member of the crew as well, <laughs> by a that, significant amount. That's what's confused them because yeah, they're all looking at me, going, they've got. <laughs> yeah. 
They've they've gone and looked uh, at my my um, my uh, let's see, oh, I can't remember the angiogram and stuff like that, and they're looking at it thinking, we don't know why your yours is like this. It shouldn't be. You're a bit weird. <laughs> so yeah, when the professor of cardiology at Manchester uh, Royal Infirmary says that to you, you're kind of thinking, well, great, kind of boned, really. Just just so, from a real kind of dark place of just you know. Sinister oh, no. interest. No, 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 no. Because I, mean, I, I heard uh, rumours that a heart attack is one of the most unpleasant and intense pains that you'll mm-hmm. ever experience. Um, mm-hmm. If only once. You, you, I mean, you're lucky that you might get to experience it again. Um, but <laughs> not being dark, because we hope that doesn't happen. Um, was it? I mean, did you know you were having a heart attack? How you know? Do you want to? Do no. you want to share that? No, actually, I will share this because basically it was a surprise to me. So <laughs> very, very much so. And um, uh, basically what happened was it just felt like I was having really, really bad indigestion. And it got it got just like pressure on uh, round on your on your left hand side of your chest. And I was there thinking, God, this, this Gaveston and, and Windies isn't easing it. Uh, and eventually it, it got to a point where um, basically we, we called an ambulance. Not, and I really thought I was wasting their time. And lo and behold, they turned up. The ambulance crew were actually grateful to get a genuine job because they'd been dealing with a whole load of drunks all night. And I went, oh, someone's having a heart attack. At least that's interesting. Oh, thanks. And <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it, it just felt like a lot of... Um, really bad indigestion and when I said that I just thought I was having indigestion the ambulance crew said actually if we had a pound for every time we had a victim of, of a heart attack saying they, they just thought they were having indigestion we would have um, we wouldn't we'd be rich enough not to drive an ambulance anymore so I think what you're referring to in that one is the full-on cardiac arrest because I didn't have that and that's one of the things that they, they absolutely hate as well, is because Holby City, if someone says they're having a heart attack, they always go for the full dramatic cardiac arrest out with the defibrillators and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't that kind of uh, drama for me, thank goodness, because um, I found out the stats of people actually surviving cardiac arrest, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't that bad. So there you go, Grant. Does that does that satisfy your morbid curiosity? It it does. I mean, it's one of those things that you know. It's God. We're all getting like to being the, Scottish. You're expecting one, are you? Yeah, yeah. It's probably. I'm. I'm probably going to get. Can I just interject once. and quickly say hi to Malik, who's just gone off and raided us with a power party of a hundred of eighty-one. Hey. So hi guys. Hey, hello, and crew. Yes, I'm, I'm what, sorry. What that you the heart to... attack podcast. <laughs> yeah, the heart attack podcast. <laughs> So, yes, I am now on more pills than I know what to do with, uh, and I'm recovering slowly. <laughs> well, no, th- thank you for that, because I think, you know, we, we are all commanders of a certain age, and it's it's important that when somebody experiences something like that, that, you know, you know we might all find ourselves sitting there, that you've given a, a wee bit of a, a, you know, information out to people that if you have persistent heartburn, and you're thinking, God, this indigestion isn't cleaning, then don't hesitate to call and dial 999 or whatever your emergency service is because it's, it's uh, you know, your age, your height, your weight, your, your, your particular fitness, 
that's a symptom that you should watch for. So public service there from Colin, because we we really appreciate the fact that he's still with us and it all worked out okay. Um, but if you had ignored well, that overnight, that could have been a different story. Yes, that it. Um, I, I was actually. It's the first time I've actually been rushed to hospital with in an ambulance with blue lights flashing, and that was. That's when it suddenly hits you, when you suddenly think, actually, this is quite serious. <laughs> uh, well, and, I actually uh, think yeah. it was the Thargoids getting revenge for you shooting all theirs. Well, yes, and uh, the amount of times you've said, Ben, why don't you just keep on using those Thargoid hearts you get? Well, yes, <laughs> I think there'd be a... Uh, That's uh, why you're not using them, because you've shot them all! <laughs> yeah, because, let's be honest, there'd be a compatibility error, and Colin.exe would stop working. <laughs> Um, I mean, in other news, I mean, I've obviously been playing out because I've got more time in my hands. <laughs> I've been um, messing about with the Vive, which uh, there'll be a top shift on that quite soon. I did a top shift on the latest version of V-Ridge, which is, is available. And also, we'll probably be covering this later, the Gnosis, or as I called it, the Geonosis, because that's the way I roll. <laughs> so I've been um, racking up the Thargoid kills left, right and centre and thoroughly enjoying it, which... Then Sellerson pointed out, Colin, you shouldn't be enjoying it in your condition, really. <laughs> and to tell you the truth, he has a point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, unfortunately, Pilot, me having speech difficulties might fire off a whole load of another emergency call, because I have a lot of speech difficulties, oh, apparently. If we... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If we called the emergency <laughs> services every time you said something wrong, you'd never be out of hospital. <laughs> Does anyone want to salami want to, to, to the Ford Domain Risk now? <laughs> oh, dear me. Maybe we could get it named uh, after you, you know, the Ford Domain, that would work. <laughs> no, I was hoping that if I didn't make it, that the orange, the, the my little shiny sidewinder, which is still on the way to Colonia, they'd put a little beacon there saying Ford's Folly or something like that. This is how far he got. <sighs> anyway, let, let us get let us get back from the uh, from elite to elite dangerous. Yes, uh, and well, let's see. I mean, Ben's really covered. Uh, what's happened with the, the Lave Radio Network. Um, we obviously fought a civil war. Was it last weekend or the weekend before? Uh, uh, the weekend before last weekend. So when we should have done show 1212. Uh, yeah. Last weekend we were in a civil... Was it civil unrest? We were in Kurgle. So we've been having lots of fun doing bounty hunting and stuff like that. Yeah. I do believe it's yeah. back. Which we're out of now. Oh, right. Okay. So I think yes. we're in no state at the moment with a boom pending or a um, or yes. lockdown pending. Yeah, because one of the things I decided to do um, this week is I've been running around Lave in a Viper for the first time in ages and just racking up the bounties. And I must admit, I have forgotten how much flying around in a in an engineered Viper is. So I yes. love my Viper. I'm literally flying around Lave Station in one now that's just gutted to be a race car. And it like it'll do like seven hundred or eight hundred meters a second on boost. I kill myself on stations all the time with it. It's so much fun. <laughs> so yes, um, and we have got the East India Company outside Leave uh, Station, which we're transferring oh. stuff we, to. We will have. We're waiting on the whale to show up. I have pinged him, and he says he's just basically getting his ship out of their space and flying it up here just now. Uh, 
Fair enough. Well, um, I think we'll move on to the development news then. Um, first thing that we've got on, on the list is Frontier's annual results. Uh, now, I've obviously missed this one, so uh, who'd like to take this? This Nobody, is a boring numbers. Well, this, well, this, <laughs> this isn't their annual report, which is really interesting because it contains um, what their strategy is for the next year. Um, mm. This is basically saying that Frontier is in ridiculously rude health uh, for a games company. Uh-huh. And no one should worry about uh, Frontier Game Plus anytime soon. The other thing yeah, that really I did find interesting was didn't they mention we knew that we know they've got one game en route, but they're, they're talking about two games now, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, they, they wanted a stable of five, if I remember rightly, um, two of which are, are unannounced. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I'm trying to find the I'm trying to find the actual quote now. Well, well, Ben's doing that. Uh, we've also had um, as Emily Riena, a concept artist at Frontier, has developed has released some of her concept art. Now, uh, I haven't had a chance to see this one, so <laughs> they are awesome, absolutely amazing. They're mostly Thargoids, Colin, so you can enjoy yourself with the Thargoids. Oh, is this the stunning one? Yeah, is this the one with the shield effect and others? Yeah, and, yes, it is. Yeah, and I, I remember, yes, because I've seen some other um, concept art about, um, I don't know, SRVs and things like that, but I didn't know if that was included this week. What I liked about them for yeah. concept art is they're very detailed. A lot of concept art just tends to be very impressionist or spooky mm-hmm. or something, you know, but this is actually properly detailed stuff, and it's really good. Yeah, there's also concept stuff for things that are not, in the game or in other games and it, it there's an interesting direction in a lot of her art it looks really cool yeah are you talking about the space camel thing uh there's like a box out of what looks like the interior section of a vehicle or a station or something um the autonomous ghetto blasters awesome <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> yeah. Cool as well I found that quote, by the way. So, we'll Frontier are talking about fran- Franchise 4, which is based on our own unannounced IP, is now in full development and targeted for release in financial year 20. And two more new franchises are in early stages of development. So, that means they've basically got three new games that in we know progress. nothing about in... Yeah, in progress, let's say. Uh, yeah. Well, that's... Uh, that that is good to hear, if especially if they're in such rude health. Um, so we'll move back to uh, news that we've received for about season three, chapter four, uh, which is the first one is we're going to have a new mission server, which means that the board flipping will be a thing of the past. Now um, I'm not sure about this one, to be honest. What does everybody else think first? I think it's a, a really good thing. However, I would like to be able to filter the missions before I open the board, if you see what I mean. So, for example, um, if, I, if, I want, if I don't want a mining mission because my mining ship is somewhere else or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't want to get a screen full of mining missions. I want to be able to say, I want wing missions or I want sentry missions or I want whatever it is, I, I, I should be able to filter it. Because if you think about what, well, my view of the mission board is it's almost like um, a jobs board. So you go to the local news agents or whatever, and they say, oh, 
by the way, I need someone to paint my fence. And you go, yeah, okay, I'll paint your fence for 10 quid or whatever. So it's that kind of people posting stuff they want. Yeah. And you don't, you would expect the mission board to be able to be filtered by topic. You wouldn't just expect to see the whole of eBay just for the sake of seeing the whole of eBay. Yeah, but isn't there another restriction about the kind of system that you're in? For instance, if you're in an extraction system, you will get a whole load of uh, mining missions anyway. Oh yeah, but you still, but you then you, I want to see it excluded. I don't want to get my board cluttered up with missions I've got no intention of taking. Well, I think you know from from my point of view, if you think about what are the what are they trying to solve and what do they need to put in place to remove the. Um, attempts by people to try and circumvent it or find another way to achieve what they were trying to achieve and obviously what you're always trying to achieve when you're board flipping is to get missions that you can't get very easily because they just don't appear very often and you could wait half an hour and you have three but you could board sweep for half an hour and you could get your 20 and then off you go in your full complement so as long as missions are you know maybe you can get more not as bountiful or not as you know higher payout but of the right kind uh easier i think is problem i think yeah filters um so that when you go to the mission screen you can select what kind of missions you're interested in and then having a a refresh on that that you can manually click um and obviously having real game world um reasons why you might not have access to missions. So if it's in a particular state of civil war, then you're going to have much more uh, passenger missions, etc., which does seem to be working at the moment. That does seem to be quite common. But, you know, for to, to avoid people sitting at stations not playing the game because they're sitting waiting, and to avoid that, that which is what board flipping would allow people to circumvent, is get back to the gameplay. So as long as it doesn't just create a huge big stall point, unless of course they bring out elite feet and then you can walk around and have a pub, in which case, jog on, absolutely, make it as slow as anything. We'll all be pissed at the pub and not be able to take off in the dock. The other question I've got is that why have you put so much effort into something only 2.8% of players do? I think that's, that is misleading, in all honesty. Um, I don't know people that seriously play the BGS, for example, that don't really flip the mission boards. Um, but I do think it is a good change. Uh, I think that in the short term, we may suffer a little bit as Frontier get their head around how much they want missions to pay and how much they want us to earn off like the boards and things. But it's just an impossible thing to balance with board flipping isn't it because how do you balance when a percentage of your players will flip till they've got 20 missions that pay out a ridiculous sum and another percentage of your player base won't so i think long-term health of the get also so many less requests going to the login servers as you change like which mission server you're getting details from maybe we'll see less load on their back end as well as a side effect of that um, but I think in the long-term health of the game, that is going to make a big change because they'll actually be able to get a grip of, you know, maybe we'll see a dearth of missions initially, but I think what we'll see is a larger selection of missions on the board as they sort of work out where they want it to be. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's totally a, a good change, to be honest. Um, I, as I say, it was just about the, more about getting what you want and the frustration that board flipping tries to alleviate 
Yeah, totally. More tools to make finding the missions you want available would be good, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, it's difficult to... It's not an easy problem to fix, is it? But it's nice that they're actually looking at it. I mean, people have been complaining about board flipping for a long time. So how much salt do you think we'll get from people who say, oh, these people made all their millions and billions by board flipping and now we can't do it, so... I bet it's higher than 2.8% of the posts on the thread. <laughs> oh, we're cynical bunch tonight, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, okay, so let's play devil's advocate and say, why should Frontier make the game easier for everybody you want to cheat? Why not say, Actually, stop being a bunch of cheating buggers, Play the game as it's meant to be played, and stop trying to get everything the easy way. Actually, as a um, as like an aside of why would you do it, I don't know if you guys remember, but about four or five years ago, there was a thing happening in Warcraft where Blizzard actually looked at the analytics for their game and said people were spending as long preparing for raids during their week's playtime as they were actually raiding. And a lot of that was gathering materials for all the consumable buffs like potions and things. And Blizzard just took them out. They stopped potions from stacking and it removed like a 10-hour grind from your week that was just completely unnecessary. They retuned all the raid bosses so they were all like 10% lower health or whatever so that you just didn't need the, the buffs and removed a completely unnecessary barrier to entry. And I think it's the same sort of thing, you know, with the, um, with the board flipping. It, with it not being a viable option, if they actually managed to fix this mission server so that you can't get different set of missions from rolling group, it will just completely remove people's desire to swap groups. You know what I mean? That, that part really goes away. But do you not think um, that the, the sort of other side of board flipping is when you are adopting your player faction and you don't have an appropriate relationship with that player faction, you can't get a fecking mission for love or money until you're sort of, you know, friendly. And the mission selection is so poor that, you know, people would go, God, this is a pain in the arse. You'd jock up, you'd sit there, you'd board flip, you'd board flip, you'd board flip, you'd get a mission, you go, fan-bloody-tastic, I've got one. Right, board flip, and you spent you know two and a half hours sitting there going at your head to have five missions for that particular faction. So I mean, I think that's you... why I think yeah. that's why I think there might be some pain in the short term. But I think once front, like I think what Frontier need to do is as soon as they get this new mission server implemented, they need to do like a repass on the mission availability like six weeks later when they've got some data about whether anyone can actually get missions in a system they've never been in before. Uh, and that's the pain period is going to be them rebalancing a mission availability, isn't it? Uh, and if they're good and they react well and they make those mission boards slightly more forgiving, then people will be able to pick up missions off the boards and, and start those rep grinds with the minor factions. If it stays as it is now, it's going to highlight very much how difficult it is to establish reputation with a local faction, isn't it? Yeah, and also, you know, the, the overarched factions as well and getting your access to your big-end ships and your permit lock systems is going to become very tricky um although it's maybe a bit easier if you're an explorer because the data dumps and that's where this has its knock-on effect it's gonna you know push people in different directions so if it's going to take you six months to rack up the missions in order to become friendly and unlock uh permit 
and you can go for one weekend and do the Rag to Riches exploration tour and come back and do it in an afternoon, then you can, you know, that's this, I suppose that's the sort of analytics that uh, Frontier will have to monitor to see where are the smart yeah, players, yeah. And I say smart players, but where are the active players going, how are they getting their fix and uh, adjusting it because the missions are awesome. I really wish missions, when the mission chains were there, that they were a bit more logical and I wish the exploration data sold at a station would generate exploration type missions. I think that would be spectacular so yeah. i find an effort yeah that would be almost like follow-on missions when you complete a regular bulletin board mission and you get a you know such and such is asked you to go and assassinate this guy as a follow-on or go and scan this installation yeah the the other area that will impact of course is the federation and imperial rank progression yeah because people board flip to, to make that a slightly less grindy experience saying that when i did my imperial rep which was just the other side of christmas just gone it, it you could pick up 20 data delivery missions between two sets of imperial stations without board flipping if you go to the right systems with like five minor factions that were all imperial you can just load up on data deliveries anywhere i hardly board flipped at all for my imperial faction grind whereas fed was really hard um that I had to do, like um, Cal said, where I went and got a load of exploration data and dropped it on a Fed station, so I could actually get missions that would give me enough rep to progress. Yes, I think on the whole, it's sorry. No, I was about to say, just on the whole, it's it's a, it's, it's a very positive thing. I, you know. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think when you when you look at it, we've got things that are definitely sort of out with the spirit of the game, and board flipping has always been one of those things, and it's. For a lot of us, it really is a frustration technique that we use as a last resort because you don't want to be pissing about with bloody mode switching and wasting your time logging it, logging in, logging it, logging in. It's a pain in the arse. It's so much nicer to come into a station, grab your missions and be off on your way and feel like you're making progress. The, the whole concept of missions running out just doesn't make sense so yeah i'm looking I mean, forward to this and when I'm you hoping... think of the size of the station and yeah. the, the limited number of missions you get in one refresh of the bulletin board you'd think that is a tiny percentage of like the private jobs on offer in a station with hundreds of dog. thousands of I'll, people I'll, living I'll, in it i'll clean your car it's not i'll, 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 I'll babysit your children but like with just give me some with passenger missions i'm surprised that there isn't even a way of saying I am taking my passenger liner to Alpha Centauri in four hours. Passengers can come at X price. And, like, it could quite easily procedurally fill your hold with people that might want to go to that destination over that period. You mean, like, space, you mean, you mean like space Uber? You know, we just drive around the system. And just kind of... The 845 yeah, like, uh, service to Colonia will be leaving in five minutes. All passengers, yeah, please be have amazing. your tickets available and ready as you reach the dock. Yeah, But, like, it could even give a reason for local vacuum rep, couldn't it? If I've got allied rep at Lave and I've got allied rep at Deso and I do passenger missions back and forth all the time, passengers going backwards and forwards between those two stations would be more likely to use my ship. 
But if I go like trogging off to Alan Hub or somewhere and I've not got any reputation there, maybe I'm only scumming around with, you know, five or six passengers chancing it for low money. Um, yeah, I can understand with the commodities market stuff why the missions are more kind of randomized. But with passengers, like what can you imagine if BA had to fill up by finding individual private passengers off a bulletin board rather than like you buying tickets off them until they're full? Yeah, but BA is a huge company. You're just one person offering charter flights. I mean, admittedly, yeah. that's how Branson started, but still. <laughs> but that's it, isn't it? We should be offering charter flights rather than looking for passengers wanting a specific destination. I mean, yeah, it'd be difficult, wouldn't it? Because you don't want to be able to just rock up at a station, tick a box, and have your hold full of passengers. That would seem a bit like zero effort. But it would be nice if you could indicate to the bulletin board system somehow like what your planned destination was or a selection of destinations that you're interested in like logging a flight pan a pla- pan flight pan that's what they use yeah, fly when they but no, I think you're right, because I, I, I think, you know, again, I think it comes down to the way that the game is actually coded and how these things work. Um, it does feel that sometimes these things are bucket-filling exercises and therefore not quite as dynamic or as flexible. And maybe introducing a new mission server uh, allows them to revisit and restructure and come up with newer ways and techniques, because... Um, I always think it's kind of cool that if you were to do uh, bounty hunting, that you would dock at a station where you know a particular player or even NPC pirate was and be able to sort of log in, check in the flight plans and see where they said they were headed when they left so you can actually hunt a bounty, you know, rather than just following Mm -hmm. a bounty you could go to stations get clues and follow the breadcrumbs to find them and find their secret base and then we're back into Sid Meier's Pirates in Space but you know what that would be awesome (laughs) that would be cool though wouldn't it yeah I agree Pirates was awesome so do we want to go on and discuss the status of the Focus Feedback Forums no no there was one little thing there that I would want to bring up, though. The, they did say that um, one of the, the biggest and longest threads on those forums was about the power play discussions. Now, they have said that this modification to power play, it was never planned to be part of the Q4 update for beyond however it's still a a feature that they want to collect feedback on and investigate so that they give them strong guidance for when they revise the the feature in the future personally when i've read that i've just said right well that's power play on hold for another at least uh mid 20 yeah and did anyone think 2019 did anyone think the uh, focus feedback actually made any material difference? I think they did, because basically you didn't end up arguing with uh, other commanders. You just basically put the feedback in and you were able to walk away and leave it. You didn't have people just shouting you down for actually leaving what your opinion was. Well, I'm trying to recall any instance where it actually changed direction and it is well the engineering stuff it was mostly um number tweaking wasn't it 
Yeah, but they were right about engineering. A lot of us was just there going, oh, I don't like that. But then eventually, when we actually got to into it with um, uh, into a great deal of um once the number tweaking was done, it seemed it was a lot better than the previous system. Well, I still opinion. think I still think it is a bit harsh that we have to step through every grade on every module. But I do think overall engineering is an improvement over the old system. Well, I mean, to be honest, I mean, depending on the influence you've got with the engineer, that's really fast now. You're hardly it, using it, anything. It, it, yeah, it's more just the quantity of materials you have to burn through to get anything done. I still think it's a huge... You know, it's like the potions thing in Warcraft. It's just a huge barrier of time in front of you doing something else that you want to do that's fun. It's still not... It doesn't take a lot to get up to rank 5, I'd say. And I've gone off and done it with a chunk of people now since the engineers, and it was nowhere near as horrendous as I was expecting it to be. Yeah, it's not that. What I mean is if, you, if I want to engineer a new FSD, I have to step it through 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. You know, in the old system, you could once you've unlocked up to 5, you could just plonk a rank 5 upgrade on a module. Mm. Um that's the only bit that I think is is worse than the old system overall, though I do think it is an improvement. Hmm. Um, well, and on the subject of um, Chapter 4, oh, um, Ed and Will on Monday uh, explained that Frontier will not be talking about anything that comes after Beyond until Chapter 4 has been released. So if there's not something that you want doing before... Uh, there's not in the you know the features list of chapter four. Then they ain't going to talk about it. So anything about SRVs or SRVs being part of multi crew, they're they're just going to to fob you back off. <sighs> Which you know, it's not exactly reassuring, but uh, the, I think they want to just focus on what what's coming in chapter not, four. Frontier have always been like that, where it's like. And we see it in every stream that's like, we're going to talk about Feature X today. And you get commanders saying, I want to know what's happening about this feature, and I want to know what's happening about my bet feature, and I deserve to know this because I paid for, for the beta access. Well, the Shut thing up, is, no you don't. They, but they have a message, don't they? And they're given certain information by the developers. And mm -hmm. they have to stick that information because that's what they've been told. So... I don't blame them for saying that, to be honest. I can. I don't blame them. It's the. I blame the entitled commanders who come on every bloody stream saying, "Tell me about this feature." I mean, I actually think Frontier have improved in their sharing. You know, it's good that they do live stream regularly and communicate better now than they did a couple of years ago with the community we always want more don't we but we've got to give them props for um for what they are doing and yeah i totally agree with you ben we've done live streams haven't we and de dealing with people that want to talk about stuff that isn't the thing you're trying to stream can be difficult sometimes mm -hmm. so um moving on from there I think uh, we'll go to the the newsletters, and I think we'll we'll talk about the main exploration points as as the main subjects this week. Do we need an advert? Um, we'll do the, an advert after the newsletters because they're going to be very. Can quick. we have a can we have a song, not an advert? He wants pink custard again, doesn't he? I I I want to I want to know what Lave Radio is going to be doing about Lave. Okay, you've completely lost me there. It's okay. I, I understand his code. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
I'll just wait for you to queue it up. Well, do your newsletters. Do, do you, yeah, go, go for your Oh, newsletters. right, okay, I'm doing the newsletters first. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that... <laughs> you did say you are going to. <laughs> uh, right, well, first of all, two newsletters that we've missed out on. New, newsletter 243. Um, well, what can we say about that? Very nice highlight on the the python horus paint pack there's a, a highlight about the the frontier community weeks and uh mentioning fantasticon as well uh, which a lot of commanders turned up to um we haven't got any reports back on that one yet so we'll just have to see um the elite dangerous battle cards is the competition has been uh, completed with commander arbach commander js bear and commander x copper crow x uh, all managing to get their ships. Sorry, Colin. Did you Have anyone heard? No. I, I was just Have about heard to any say update from there, what's happening with. There has been no updates as uh, yet, but we right. will. Uh, we will definitely be checking in with. I, I think we've got Spider Man um, on Hutton, or we're, yeah. we're chatting to them before the end of this week anyway, and we'll see if we can get an update, and we'll let you know next week. But as of this point, we're still in the situation of there has no change as yet. They've been quite quiet, but they've been currently putting out the what you call that the when they give you your stuff that you've ordered. What's that called? What you mean, distributing? Pledges. Yeah, when you distributing your pledges. When they complete their pledges, yeah, they're still working on that. Um, so you should be getting your EDRPG stuff if you're still waiting for it soon, because I know people have been receiving them and those beautiful, big, beautiful books. Um, and Fantasticon, I think Mr. Winnard did a really good write-up on his experiences at Fantasticon, and I've seen some videos and stuff, and it looks like there was a hell of a lot of fun had by everyone that went and that is awesome so uh, if you enjoyed it uh, and you have put your photos and stuff up on the relevant Facebook groups so that everyone can see what you did uh, then that will be cool uh, yeah and on uh, <laughs> the next newsletter we have uh, basically stuff that we're going to be discussing anyway uh, we've also got the Vulture Cryptus paint job who's, who's going to bought that yeah, I wasn't a fan. I I like my vulture, but the Cryptus squad didn't tweak my uh, buttons. <laughs> so what uh, puzzled me a little bit about combat ships is why people should make them look so obvious. Yeah, I must admit that's I must admit the best the best combat ships always seem to be in black because you can you can't see them. Yeah, the crime's actually quite good as well. Um... So, uh, Grant, would you like to go to an advert break? Is it time? Okay, right. So, yeah, um, everybody in the entire of the internet, um, we 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 apologise profoundly for this, um, but Ben's fault. Gotta make you understand I'm never gonna give Lape up 
interlude? Just honk and go. Want to be the buckiest ball in the galaxy? Just honk and go. And if you fill your really big gas tank with patented Jumbonium 5000, you can honk and go, go, go. Gee, thanks, mister. No, thank you. Really big gas tank. Because why wait when you can honk and go? 
Zirconium 5000 has been known to cause extra arm growth, outdoor mayonnaise, tripism, and spontaneous target face. Use only as directed. I'm... I'm sorry. I am... I'm just completely speechless. <laughs> just how do you follow that? Should we just go home now and just... <laughs> I mean, I, d I don't know. Did I actually die of the heart attack and get put into hell? XP, what do you mean it's a no from you? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think that needs a golden buzzer, to be honest. <sighs> yeah. Okay. I'm a bit in shock with that one. Shall we move on? <laughs> Please. <laughs> You know, we actually lost 10 listeners over that ad <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well. And remember, folks, if you're feeling indigestion, call me. <laughs> 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 yeah. oh, Steve Shaw said that uh, all his hair fell out during that one. Uh, there you go. Um, Frank is off to get painkillers, even as we speak. Okay, Grant, is that a good enough review for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to collect them for the album. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, back, back to the show. <laughs> um, there are two things that have uh, happened over the last couple of weeks which have been big events in Elite Dangerous. Uh, the first one is obviously uh, the public event, which was the, the Gnosis. Uh, and of course, there was a whole load of details about the exploration mechanics that uh, Frontier have uh, put up on the message boards, uh, the forum rather, and also uh, did a live stream with Adam. Uh, so, which which would you like to do first, the Gnosis or, or the exploration? Okay, I'll go and say get the Gnosis out of the way. So, apparently... 11,000 ships were docked with the Gnosis just before it jumped uh, to a, well, it was supposed to be in the cone sector, which was all permit locked off. It didn't make it. Uh, apparently it was intercepted by Thargoids before reaching its destination and was ended up broken down elsewhere. Now, the unfortunate side of this was that the announcement that uh, the Gnosis had been intercepted by Thargoids happened six hours before the actual ship jumped itself, uh, and that caused a bit of a problem. So, first of all, we'll go around the room, see if people were involved in the Gnosis and what they thought of the event. So, um, Andy, Commander Kurgle. I, I actually didn't make it in time because I was ill. Um, so I didn't get on board and initially my reaction was kind of that of disappointment but actually as the event unfolded everyone I know that did get on board mostly pretty much thought it was a great event and enjoyed it um, so like I'm I'm really my own fault there I didn't actually get my ship on in time sadly uh, Ben did you make it out? I didn't make it out I didn't have any intentions to make it out um Mainly because yeah. I've just been too busy. I'm stuck at leave at the moment doing background sim stuff. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have gone out there anyway, though, because when I'm not stuck at leave, I just like being pottering around doing my own thing. 
and being stuck in the middle of a zone and essentially unable to get back isn't really my thing either. So I probably wouldn't have made it. Right. Uh, and Shan? Uh, yes, I, I made it out there. I knew full well what was going to happen um, because it was pretty obvious, actually, if you read the gown there and if you, if you just knew it wasn't going to get there. Um, yeah. So what I did is I put my exploration anaconda out there and then had a whole load of modules shipped out that could quickly turn into um, an anti-Sargoid ship. Hmm. So, so when when the news was announced, um, it was like, yeah, okay, fine. If we can talk about the analysis for a minute, there's a few things I think that would have made it better. Uh, and I'm not talking about the the errors, like if you fired on a Thargoid within the range of the, the Gnosis, you got yeah. a fire. And if you then got blown up, you then got sent 1,600 light years away to jail. It wasn't that. It was... Excuse me. It was about the whole anticlimax. What I would have wanted to have seen is when you first log in to the, you know, the Gnosis after it was attacked, you're sitting on the pad, you're sitting in the docking port, and the screen is shaking. You know something is going on even before you emerge from the ship. Just something to really set the scene. It seemed a bit like when the stations were on fire in the um, Palladium. Yeah, some, something like that to indicate. Oh my goodness, something is going. Red on. alert! Mission boards not available. All well, hands was, battle stations. There was that when you went to the mission board, but when you first logged in, you there was it. The, you, if this was a single player game, you would have a cutscene then. So you think, oh my goodness, something is going on. And it or even like the video game. that they put out when the first. Um, Thargoid station attack happened. That sort yeah, of social media video to like, pump it. Something like that, yes. I mean, I do feel for the people who um, who lost their ex-relationships when they went out there, in a way. But I... Boasting like that, but if you put a bit of thought about how you escaped, it was okay. Um... For example, to get my exploration anaconda out, which is virtually shieldless, really, is what I did is I purchased a whole load of stuff from the commodity market, uh, jumped into open play. Well, I knew there were lots of players could have been shooting Thargoids. So the Thargoids had lots of distractions for them. So the Thargoids were all involved in a big battle. There was a Hydra that got interested in me and started to chase after me, and I just dumped my cargo. And it was like, ooh, look, what's that? I'll stop and scan. And that just gave me a chance to get away. So... <sighs> It was just applying a little bit of lateral thinking, I think. Well, well, you see, I I was quite lucky because thanks to the wonderful um, the wonderful maintenance schedule of Virgin Media, from that Wednesday night all the way till Thursday morning, um, basically I was offline. Uh, so I couldn't even get in the forums or anything like that. So the first thing that I was able to do was get onto my ship. Uh, on the Gnosis, uh, basically about midday. Now, by that point, all those bugs were fixed. You know, the, the fine bug and the getting blown up and putting back to... Uh, yeah. yeah, all those bugs were fixed by about midday that day. So when I went into it, first of all, A, I was, I was surprised, uh, and B, I was thrown straight into the deep of it because, like you, Shan, I'd read... Galnet, I'd read the the Eagle Eye network, um, and I knew that the ship was not going to get where it was going to, because 
basically had been targeted by the Thargoids in the Eagle Eye network. So you knew, you kind of, they dropped the hints and the hints and the hints that it wasn't going to go where it was going to go. And, but once I got out there and I did a, a top shift on this, uh, 208, and 108 rather, and to be honest, I thoroughly enjoyed it because it had a real defend the Battlestar feel to it, if you know what I mean. It did, apart from the Battlestar didn't actually show any damage. Well, to tell you the truth, I mean, from what Zach was saying, they were putting this together very, very quickly and turning it into a player event, which um, oh, if, if they'd put a little bit of testing into there to eliminate those those bugs with the fines and the um, and and you know the the sending back commanders to uh, station kind of detention centers thousands of light years away, then if they if they'd done a little bit five minutes testing and fixed that before they'd put the event live, I think it would have been received a heck of a lot better. But I had the experience that they were intended for, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, I'm not mocking the, the you know, once you got out there and started shooting them, because I, like you, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. Mm. Uh, once you got out there, it, it was the transition between um, logging in and finding yourself surrounded by Thargoids. I found that particularly abrupt in terms of how the, the, the how it played out. Well, to be honest, if you're in that situation, it, oh, it's, it's like the missions in uh, Wing Commander when you've just been called to scramble. Um, there, there was a whole, you, you knew something was wrong, the music was much more edgy, edgier, there's a, a whole load of, um, if, you, if you'd looked at the contacts, you would have seen a huge list of Thargoids that were attacking the ship. Uh, and, yeah, I, I I thought the first thing I went to was the mission board and uh, the station board and saw how badly damaged thing or the, the entire situation. I didn't look around and think, "Oh, we're in trouble." I didn't have time to. Well, the, there was a small window of about an hour when nothing was spawning at, at the at the at the gnosis because I, mm -hmm. as soon as the service came back after the patch, I logged in because I thought, "Oh, great! I'm going to have some fun here and whatever." And when I when I undocked, there was actually no thyroids around. I could quite happily boot around the few systems that were available to us and not see a single thyroid. I mean, so there was a period when nothing was going on, and it just seemed like thyroid Thursday happened, and it, it, it yeah, it just felt like I'd missed a key episode in watching a TV series. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's where our experiences differ because by the time I logged in, all that had been fixed. There was um, uh, signal sources all the way around the, the Gnosis, which felt like the, the ship was definitely under attack. Um, of course, there was hydras everywhere. If you dropped in on them, they, they basically scared the pants out of you. Uh, and of course... Uh, after a while, we discovered that these new Thargoid bases and new barnacle sites in one of the local planets. Um, I don't know whether or not there was a whole load of, uh, if actually brought, bringing back meta-alloys to the ship actually did anything. But I know I was doing that in the hope that something would. It's easy to criticise, I think, Frontier, and maybe we're being a little bit unfair in it, it because I think what we saw here... And um, we touched upon it a couple of weeks ago. Are the limitations of the game engine and the way the game is developed? I think 
and I think that's probably pushed it as far as they could with the technology and the game got. I, I mean, I wonder if the dedicated mission server is some efforts to. I do wonder how much that will take some load off the existing back end, which may give them more, um, like compute available for other jobs uh, to broaden up the back end a bit. Um, I hope so. Maybe, but how? And again, it probably was put together in in a bit of not a rush, but you know, on the fly. But it wouldn't have been great when you when you first saw your ship. There were sirens going. There were you know, signs of explosions and stuff going on all around you when you're in your ship. The, you know, the whole gamut of wonderful sound that is in this game was being thrown at you. So you thought, holy crap, what is going on? And it was a uh, holy uh, crap moment. That in I'm really surprised that it wasn't like, uh, sort of like, I don't know why, but in my head I just imagined it was like the Thargoid attack stations and there would have been like you know, disaster in the docking bay sort of thing. Because that's what we wanted, really. We, we wanted to see the space stations under attack when they were, you know, when they were, when it happened. We wanted to see Thargoid ships around a space station like the Shadows in Babylon 5 and all that sort of stuff. We want to see that. Um, yeah. But what we didn't see was the arrive and the impact it was. So, yeah. Hopefully it's a lesson for them going forward if they decide to do a similar thing again. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that, I mean, that there was an awful lot of negative back about this, which I personally, I thought was a little bit unfair. I mean, the, I mean, the, at the, the end of the day, of... the easy answer Frontier could have done is when Canon put their request in to jump to those three systems and it flagged up that, you know, three in that permit locked region were accidentally not permit locked. The easy answer would have been, Frontiers aim to them, no, you can't jump there, pick somewhere else. The yeah, fact that they, they actually went to some effort to, to to put a event together around that choice and the error of them not permit-locking it, I think that's a nice thing, you know? That's much better than them just going, no, pick somewhere else. Yeah, Miggles made an interesting point, and it did cross my mind as well when I read the Gamma article, but he's kind of put it across quite well. He says, one of the most valid complaints about the event he heard of was the fact that it painted the Thargoids as easily distracted morons that could be led away just by dropping candies rather than the killing machines they were supposed to be. So in other words, the Gnosis was saved by a whole load of commanders going out and dropping a whole ton of sweets on the floor in the form of metalloids that yeah. let them get away. And I, I think that's, that's a valid you know, criticism, I think. Well, maybe they were just exploiting known behavior because I know, you know when I was sampling Thargoids, if you like, uh, it was it was one of my escape tactics because um, basically if a Thargoid did lock onto me when I was retracting the sample, I would drop meta-alloys and it'd go off to the, it would forget I would exist. So that is a known weakness for the, for well, consistent Thargoid moronic, behavior. Well, maybe maybe there's something in their, their makeup that will, will do that. I mean, Malik's mentioned the Thargoid behavior. He does, like, Thargoid investigation quite a lot on his stream. And he's mentioned before, their behavior is very repeatable, you know. If you've got their stuff, they'll scan you, and then they'll get angry until you drop their stuff, and then they'll pretty much leave you alone. Um, it, it's only really when you start prodding them or getting too close that they get aggro on you, isn't it? 
Um, yeah, um, 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 I've noticed in the uh, in in the chat, Bitstorm asked a silly question. He says, "Did the gnosis fire back at the Thargoids?" Um, as I was there, yes, they did, but they had to get into a certain range. Um, they did. The gnosis didn't fire on players and cannon uh, after the bugs had been fixed. So it was about midday on the first day that that bug got fixed, and then the, the gnosis started firing. Uh, on Thargoids properly. Um, one thing that the Gnosis did do was shoot down an awful lot of those blasted uh, missiles that that basically eat your hull. Because yeah. that, that was a good time. Yeah. It, they also gave some allowance for friendly fire as well, so your, um, your railguns could pass all the way through a Thargoid and hit the Gnosis, and the Gnosis then wouldn't get miffed at you and blow you up. That was handy. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I must admit. So, would you want Frontier to do these kind of events again? Definitely, but I think they need to pick the moment, and it, it needs to have a, my personal view, it needs to have a transition between normality and all hell is breaking loose. It, you just don't, like, you, you know, just just emerging from a normal-looking situation and then seeing stuff around you with no sight or sound or anything that, that was going on. I, I, I thought that was, I don't know, it, it, it didn't gel with me. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's just, I don't know, I thought that a lot of people are picking up on the fact that um, all the transition and the immersion seem to be broken, but the actual mechanics and the actual event was actually quite fun. Yeah, and that's my takeaway from it. I, I, I'm glad I went there, and I'm glad I, you know, I took out Thargoids and all the sort of stuff I did around there. I, I'm glad I went, and I don't regard it as a waste of time or a mistake. And I regret missing it, and will make efforts to attend another one if they do run another one. So I do think, in that regard, it's been successful. So, but the Gnosis is there for a couple more weeks, isn't there? And there are no Thargoids to be seen around it at the moment. Um, no, there's, there's still the, the usual um, unidentified signal sources, which but will they're appear. not actually being attacking yet, are they? No, that seemed to end on Thursday night, just as uh, our good friend Commander Witherspoon was actually, um, <clears throat> as actually heading back out there after <laughs> being sent to the detention centre. So... We have to we have to pass on our sympathies to Mr. Witherspoon. <laughs> so, um, um, sorry, I, sorry, I just need to. Um, there's a uh, commander called Max Brunt. Uh, he's pretty new to the game and asking um, where can he go to expand his knowledge about the game and things like that. Well, you're in the right place to start off with. Um, pun, pun. But also, I would strongly recommend looking at uh, other elite streamers. And just basically hanging out on the live streams from people, ask questions. If you're stuck, just just ask because this is a great community, and people pretty much are as helpful as you could want them to be. Um, there's also the Galactic Academy as well, which you can Google. So just Google Galactic Academy Elite Dangerous, and that is a, a whole bunch of people who will help you with whatever questions you have. Yeah, if you can get on the Galactic Academy Discord server, then um, you probably have instant answers. Yeah, I'd especially actually make a particular shout out for Colo's stream. Um, hello, Colo. Uh, hello, it's Colo on Twitch. 
because she's actually fairly new to the game herself and she is working progressively through all of the different areas of the game and there are loads of commanders in her stream who help both her and other people with questions uh, that's a really good place if you want to try out um you know yeah. what's out there yeah, I must admit, I was watching Colo's uh, stream when she was just leaving the Gnosis for the first time. Um, that was hilarious. Poor girl, didn't know what to, what to make of it. <laughs> but she was yeah, genuinely... I, mean, it was I genuinely really enjoy her stream because like, it reminds me of the joy I had when I first discovered a load of stuff in the game. Do you know what I mean? She's really mm -hmm. genuine about her um, gameplay. Really good stream to watch. Yes. Um yeah, there's a couple of things to just end this really on. I mean, we had a statement from Frontier apologizing for the fact that the uh, uh, that the Galnet article came out too early, as well as a couple of the bugs that came with it. Uh, and of course, the usual salt came on from, from that. Uh, I did watch Commander Plater's um, YouTube uh about the actual event, I think he was more disappointed that it didn't go to where it was wanting to go, which I thought was a bit odd, because if it had got to one of the permalock system, all those commanders who just had exploration ships, they wouldn't have been able to get away. You would have been was permit like, locked. Yeah, there were three systems, weren't there, that they hadn't put a permanent lock on. So you basically, I don't even know if those systems had landable bodies in them or anything. So it could have been a very, a very short period of time you'd have consumed any content there other than. Yeah, 11,000 uh, ships and three systems. Yeah. But anyway, um, so general opinion, well, from me, and is that the actual event was. At the actual playing the event was actually quite fun. I think it just needs a little bit of tidying up. If yeah, I mean, I think more of this sort of stuff is great, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, it'd be yeah, it'd be nice to see see it in the future. Well, moving on to the future, uh, uh, nice segue there. Um, we of course had uh, some major details released about the exploration mechanics. Uh, for Chapter 4 of this season. Um, Frontier had a Q&A video about it with Ed and Adam. That's a massive Reddit discussion thread. So, um, who would like to take me through... Sean, you're normally the person to, to ask about this. Can you give a quick summary of, uh, of what was announced? Well, they kind of bundled a whole load of things under the term exploration. Um, so, the, the first thing that sprung to that was... I, to my interest, was the USS, the Unidentified Signal Source system, is being revamped and becoming much more deterministic. So the whole exercise of flying around for hours at a time looking for that high-grade signal source or um, a distress beacon or whatever will be much easier and much more consistent, uh, which I think is something that was been badly needed for quite some time. Um, if you've ever been hunting high-level materials, then yeah, having a deterministic way of finding them is uh, is great. I think. Yeah, I totally agree. That is a um, that hopefully that will be a great change. Um, so the yeah, sorry, Colin. no, no, sorry, you carry on. Sorry. Well, so the actual mechanics are we, from what I understand it, the honk stays the same. But you only get the stars. 
I was going to come on honk later. <laughs> so that, that was going to be my... Uh, I'm starting oh. off with the stuff I liked first before I get right. on well, so, yeah. So, so basically, this is this is the pro the new process as I understand it. We do the honk first. That gives you the stars. You then go into this new UI, which will then kind of like the SRV scanner will show a whole lot of different graphs and waveforms and stuff, which will allow you to zoom in or give you clues at which sector to zoom in with. And if you zoom in far enough, you will then detect a planet or some kind of body. And then that body will be added to the uh, your system map and you get first mapped or, or first discovered at that point. And then if you want to know more information, then you fire off probes from your detailed surface scanner. And if you fire them off properly and aim them properly, it will then scan that planet for you am i right with that that is uh, that is the sequence of events as we understand it yes good because i must admit i was getting a little lost <laughs> wondering how it was all going to work so that's, um, that's the theory that's the theory um they, they did say however though if you have a nav beacon you can still scan the nav beacon as normal and it would then highlight the yeah, system and give you the details the whole system Yes, yeah, so that's exactly the same. The the honk to get the stars is the same, but the, and after that it diverges. The one thing that um, has been noted is that you don't have to move from when you've dropped in in hyperspace. At that point, you can scan the whole system by staying put. You can scan the system, which would give you what is effectively now a detailed surface scan, which is mm -hmm. the like your first discovered by. Yeah. Uh, and you only have to travel to the planetary body if you want to do a probe scan to get like a mapped. Surface. Gotcha. That's within. That's within. Right. The if you talk well, let's let's talk about the the process. I think because this is how it is in my head anyway. So you jump into a a system. Mm -hmm. You. Um, you do the honk, for example, as I think most people do instinctively now. And then this pulls up this SRV screen or the scanner screen. Uh, quite what happens to your ship while you're fiddling around with that, we don't know yet. Because can you still fuel scoop? What happens if you crash into the star or what? Or anyway, so you get the screen up. The screen does not reveal the entire system in its, in its wavelengths. There is a range limit. So if you have a secondary star system that's a couple of hundred thousand light seconds away, you're going to have to head off in that direction to get any sort of scan on that at all. Oh, right. Well, I missed that. I thought the, the range was infinite. No, no. Yeah, it has a it has a range on it. Um, so that's that's the first main difference is that you don't actually get the whole system. Mm. It's also implied that you will have to move around the system or the star uh, to be able to read the signals from all directions. Right. So your ship is going to basically have to zoom around the sun, uh, SRV times. scanning several several times. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Which will be interesting in an anaconda because the uh, super cruise maneuverability of an anaconda isn't great, um, and I wonder whether shares, uh, sorry, FDEV have shares in Logitech with the amount of wrenching of joysticks that's going to take. Um, so anyway, the, um, the, and then you're correct about the the main scanner itself. You know, the surface scanner firing probes off it. Um, they said the probes will be ammunition, and although they haven't settled on a 
complete value. I think the the, the value of a couple of hundred, I think, was mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and that's getting... actually a slight bugbear for me. And the only reason I think that's a little harsh is for explorers that don't have horizons, they actually can't. You're basically locking them out of deep space exploration. Yeah, that was because they've got no a... way of synthesizing replacements. That was definitely an oh whoops moment, wasn't it, on the live stream? I don't know if you saw that. They they asked a question about their horizons, and you can see their face going oh whoops. Haven't thought about that. That's how I interpreted it anyway. Did you see that, Google? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I must admit, I caught that as well. I was there thinking, I hadn't thought that one through. Did, and you do the think... other one. Go on. Sorry, go on. And the other one that I, they, I think they possibly haven't thought of is how the whole thing will work in VR. Uh, I don't think they're making VR uh, a priority at the moment. I think that the, um, if you've seen the comments made by David Braben later uh, earlier, he, he's 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 praised the, the the VR system for Elite Dangerous, which you know is, is is quite a rightful thing to do. But he has said that you know it's too niche, and it's not really. You don't want to go and spend tons and tons of time developing features for VR when there's only going to be a few people using it. Well, then saying that Elite is one of the AAA games for VR, it's probably gives you the greatest VR experience of near one any of the time. things. One of the things that makes me think that they're trying to make that step back is actually oh, no. that makes me think more that they're looking at elite feet as a possible thing in the future because the transition between cockpitted and free roaming for VR that's a difficult problem, isn't it? Um, yeah, we mentioned that. Oh, we're not going to have another hour long discussion about how you're going yeah, to do that. But anyway, no, but anyway, um, just saying that's yeah, but anyway, those two points about the, the horizons and the um, and the VR was the two gotchas I thought that came out of that particular live stream. I mean, the, in theory, you could get the materials by mining um, asteroid fields if you don't have an Horizons account. Then that means you compromise your exploration build by having to carry a mining laser and uh, a heavier power plant and power distributor. Do you have any idea how many people actually don't have Horizons? I don't. <laughs> I well, I don't think Frontier have said, but the fact is they still sell Horizon separate. Uh, sorry, um, the base game and Horizon separately. You know, you, you, I don't know. It's a sticky one, I think, for them to deal with. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a planetary scanner one, and we, we saw a rather low res image of a planet uh, of what it will look like. Um, so I, and I haven't got a problem with the with the uh, with the probes. I just hope they give you enough because quite a lot of systems have fifty or more planetary bodies in them. So that yeah. means potentially every three or four seconds you are having to go around and get materials up again. Yeah, I, that is a similar concern I share. But I think for like for most of us that do have horizons, it is just going to be become part of the routine isn't it synthesizing new stuff i hope it doesn't become a like making horizons become more mandatory for those people that might enjoy exploration currently that don't have it well this comes on to the main my main not necessarily bugbear per se but the replacement of the advanced discovery scanner with the minigame i yeah it's i just 
I don't like it. It, it. The thing, someone said on the live, it wasn't a comment that they read out, but someone put in the comment on their live stream, it's like the whole of the Milky Way have had a firmware downgrade across the board. You know, what used to take 30 seconds to bong a system and find all the planetary bodies, now it's going to take me maybe five minutes. And just that tiny little change, that's a huge chunk of time added to what was a very small part of the exploration process. Isn't I, I mean, some people love or will love the scanner usage, and I completely respect that. Uh, I think what Frontier should have done was to give people a choice. Well, like, how I think that they could keep their new system, but also let you, like, activate all the planets is, if you bong a system and it shows you where all the planetary bodies are, that's great. Then you play the mini-game to get a detailed surface scan, and that gives you first discovered by, and then you go drop probes on them, and that gives you the mapped by so you've still got all three phases but you don't lose the gaining all of the bodies from the first step yeah you i mean, know, the way you, I, yeah. I mean you'd the way still I have to go it. like twang it if you wanted to actually get the data off that world yeah i mean the way i i, I thought about to do it is um, basically you've got you've got the basic discovery scanner and then you've got the ads i mean yes it's an intermediate one but discard that for the minute so what you could have because i believe in player choice but player choice should have consequences so for example if you want to do the mini game thing then your basic discovery scanner does the mini game you get more credits for doing it and the basic discovery scanner takes up less power so it means you then if you want to use the advanced scanner you know, just do the single honk and that reveals everything, you're going to get less money and your ship is going to need more power to use it. Which means for your build of ship, you may need to either overclock your power plant more so you get more heat, or you need to fit, fit a bigger power plant which compromises the build. So you have a choice. Do I want the honk and go and get less money, or do I want to do the detailed minigame bit? And you have that choice. Yeah. In the current system they've got, and, and this is what, uh, I guess we'll see what happens, but I, I think um, the majority of people who do exploring are the honk and go type, not the one to play a minigame. And I'm sure the well, minigame will be fun for about 10 times. But if you're on an exploration trip, like the one I, I went mean, on, it, on recently... It doesn't, it doesn't even have to be exploration trip. Maybe you're thinking, I'm going to pop over to Colonia and do some stuff there and then come back. And like, you don't want to stop at every stop on the way to Colonia to spend five minutes playing a mini game. But if I was doing the trip to Colonia, I'd bong every system on the way there and back. Um, and like, that's what you're losing, isn't it? Is you're losing the convenience of if I'm taxiing somewhere 5,000 light years away, I can pick up, you know, a thousand systems of data on route and get a load of star maps and I can drop that data somewhere useful and spread it around the BGS or I can just bump my faction rep with a local faction somewhere so I can mission easily. Um, and if we just, if that turns into 300 credits because you've identified the main star and that's it, I think people would just stop doing it rather than bothering to play the mini game when they're doing like a, a journey yeah. rather than an actual exploration. I, 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 I noticed they talk about the parallax method of exploration. Um, and yes, I did it as well. And yes, it was fun. But I would want the choice. I wouldn't want to exclude a portion of the player base. 
yeah. from doing something because a, another version of the player base said, oh, this is the only way to do it. I think I mean, like the choice. The parallax tracking, I always thought that would be a nice way of putting like stellar anomalies into a solar system that weren't a planetary body. But, you know, here's a gas cloud. Maybe the way you find that is by noticing it in the parallax of the background. Because um, like, I remember that when we couldn't look at like the orbit lines and stuff and finding the system map didn't show you where all the planets were. Uh, that was really hard. One thing, if I remember the honk when you honk it didn't isn't there a whole lot of arrows that show up on the in the map as well there is but remember with the with the single honk you're revealing the entire system even secondary bodies hundreds of thousands of light seconds away yeah so what i was i mean i don't know what those arrows are meant to be symbolizing but they're like the number of lines you get on the srv scanner i mean one thing they did show on their live stream was when you're playing like the mini game, mm. it has like a percentage counter in the corner. So like you know when you've got all of the bodies in a system. It isn't like you're playing a guessing game about whether or not you've you've yeah. found them all. Uh, There's just a counter, and when you roll so, it to hundred percent, hang on a minute. If it knows the counter, <clears throat> surely it knows how many's there. So why does? Well, of course, it? the game knows. It, it, it's a gameplay mechanic, isn't it? And, like, they've not obfuscated it very well. But, they, they I mean, maybe that won't make it into the actual live build. But certainly, they pointed it out on their live stream that you will have an indicator of whether you found everything or not. But anyway, what I was thinking we could have would be a basic discovery scanner maybe gives you a couple of hints as to where things close by are. And the advanced discovery scanner will go and... Excuse me, that's going to... I'm talking too much now. The advanced discovery scanner will show you where pretty much everything is, but it won't actually tell you about it. You've still got to go and look, but you at least know where to look with the advanced one. But then that's the that's the time thing again, isn't it? And the, the, you know, it's not as though we're running short of stars to discover. We need to slow everything down. Yeah, I mean, like but my, least it would still be faster though than. Well, you've got something out there somewhere. Go find it. At least you it, now know. Okay, I've got twenty things to find. Yeah, that's one done. Was, that's two done. If it was brand, if it was like that from the start, you'd be actually right. I think Ben, but it hasn't been like that. People, people have got in them. I jump into a star. I flick the system map. I, I check for certain looking planets. Yeah. While I'm refueling, and then I move on. If there's well, nothing but yeah, but that's what the the composition stuff at the bottom of the screen is meant to be giving you indications of, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but you can't see. There's no way. I don't, Oh, come on. People that. can identify what things are from the SRV scanner. I'm sure they'll... I mean, they'll they, can they can identify the type of rock in the SRV And you'll scanner. be able to they identify, identify the type of planet from it as well, I bet. They, they actually said that in their description on the live stream again. The, the minigame is basically a scanner that has gas giants at one end and solid bodies at the other end and a range in the middle and you scan through the like the range of frequencies of bodies until you've identified them all yeah um so, so that that to me at least is implying there's going to be a range that says i'm an earth-like range or i'm a rocky body or i'm an ammonia world or whatever only yeah, maybe you'll only find people scanning and worrying about the top third of the, like the graph or whatever is the bit that, that is where all the money yeah. is I mean, I think we. I think the other thing we people get hung up on it is the payout to restoration. And yes, it's important. But what I liked about having the system view is that if there was a planet with an unusual ring system, or if there was, uh, even if 
you know, things like that, or is a, a canyon system, you can almost tell that from the image yes. from the from the system map. So, uh, what it you can decide very very quickly whether or not it's something that you want to investigate, not because of the menu side, but because it's interesting to look at or fly around or land on. Yeah, and that's having to do that is yeah. It's part of your exploration workflow, isn't it? You you bomb a system, you look at the system map, you go, now there's nothing interesting here, or in the next system you're like, oh, that planet looks interesting, I'll make a beeline for it and ignore everything else. Um, and that bit of the exploration gameplay workflow is the bit that's being removed or changed, isn't it? Yeah, and I... We'll, we need to see how it plays out, but my concern is usually by the time stuff gets in beta, the mechanics are locked down and it's too late to do anything about it. I mean, on a plus note, though, they had like 600 pages of people in their forum thread pointing that out, and they actually did say, we have noticed the large quantity of people pointing this out, and it's under consideration. Yeah, but isn't the worrying thing is that must have been considered in the design stage. Surely it's, it's an obvious thing to bring up when you're designing something. What about how it works currently, and what will the reaction be? when it's changed? Surely that's an obvious question. Oh. I mean, this is the kind of thing where you'd hope that Frontier maybe have a group of people that they can talk to and run ideas past. Well, we know that... Um, you, know, in, in... Maybe, you know, like the triple elite groups and things like that, they can go up and run this past them and say, guys, this is what we're thinking. How about this? We... I felt like over the last, I don't know, maybe year or 18 months, they, they don't... Maybe it's just we don't publicly see it as much, but I don't hear about them engaging with like the triple elite groups and some of the bigger groups on on that kind of thing as much anymore. I wish we did. It'd be really interesting to hear what those people are telling them. I think it was Ed. Yeah, was, sorry, it was Ed Knott at Lavecon talking about the fact that you know that they do have the opportunity when people give feedback, and and Zach and Ed have been responsible for the development team re-looking at something that, you know, they go, ooh, that's not going to go down well. So, you know, they're not they're not in the business of deliberately fucking up, to put it politely. So I think if you put your, your feedback to them, they will pass it on to the relevant department and then, fingers crossed, not make uh, decisions that are based on what they can do rather than what they want to achieve, which is always uh, a, a trade-off. I guess where I'm coming from is, though, Cow, is the stage at which that feedback gets listened to, it's then too late to change <coughs> the fundamental design. I see. Okay. Yeah, agreed. It would be nice if Frontier would engage people at a situation where it's not too late to do anything with... Hopefully that's the case here. I mean, I don't feel like this is a system that they have implemented in the background already and are ready to roll out in, like, you know, a few weeks. But I mean, maybe I'm wrong about weeks, that. And there's not a lot of year left to redesign it. Well, I, yeah, I guess we'll find out in a couple of weeks. So, I, I mean, it was, as I say, I, I, I can understand where, the, if you like, the purest exploration people come from because I enjoy an exploration challenge and I've got over a million light years under the belt yeah. so you know i've done a bit of exploration and i know the attraction of seeking stuff out which is why i don't want them to get rid of the mini game i just want them to give people a choice add and the mini game rather than replace add, with it add the mini game but increase the rewards make it some kind of i want to say penalty but make it some kind of consequence for choosing the easy route yeah. uh, and, and give players a choice because especially blaze your own trail not 
I mean, be forced down a route. The thing that they haven't really talked about with regards to the new scanners and things is that you can use exploration data in quite a few ways on the BGS for either pushing faction influence or reputation. And like, I do wonder if there are implied effects of these changes. You know, will just bonging a system have a much smaller effect on an influence drop now? And will, like, only planetary mapped things push the BGS? Or, um, you know, I'd be interested to see how much beyond just the basic exploration it also affects the other aspects of the game. I guess we should see in a couple of weeks when it happens. I mean, in terms of percentage, I think the changes I've talked about are very beneficial. There is, as I say, just a concern that the starting point of exploration, you know, the discovery scanner, it will be fun for a while. And I'm not sure how many of you guys, do actually any of you find it fun trundling around the planet looking for arsenic? I, I absolutely. Yeah, I <laughs> finding material, there's so many things I do enjoy on a planet's surface. Going looking for engineering materials is something that I find hateful. <laughs> I mean, I, so I, if you I, then have to have, yeah, I mean, I, I'm out uh, almost at Beagle Point now. So I've been, I've been honking and scooping, and um, you know, there's something to be said about when you look in your map, you only go towards planets that interest you, or you have that particular um, OCD moment of there's 264 bodies in this system, and I'm going to get them all, and regretting it deeply when you get like 14 grand when you get back to station one. <laughs> But you know, it's there's there's a sense of achievement there, and I quite like the idea of the probes. But yeah, if it, the probes to me sound a lot more fun than just I will fly up to yes. two thousand light seconds and point my nose at a planet. And that get more bit, information. I think, is really cool. And, and yeah, yeah, I think I think that true. that just sounds amazing. Uh, and I even think that, like the mini game, like Sean said, that doesn't sound not fun. It's just I don't want to feel like I have to do that on every damn system I jump through in a three hundred system. Yeah. I guess. Um, I guess. Game. I guess the 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 kind of bit that we're all concerned about is if I jump in and honk, and I'm on some on the way somewhere, and then the honk gives me the information I want to know whether or not there's anything I want to investigate further. And to make that section into a game means you're wasting time in a potentially uninteresting system for whatever it is you're currently doing. So, you know, yeah. you should it's have... It's just slowing you down, isn't it? Maybe if they reduced the information that the honk, the traditional honk, gives you so that you can have a quick, maybe even not even a representation of the system, but a kind of likelihood of percentages of what bodies might be there and then play the minigame to reduce that further. Here's an idea, actually. How about, remember when we had the, the wireframe of the planets? So the honk gives you the wireframe. Yeah, that's no difference in timing to faffing around, twiddling your knob and looking for the signal. Well, yeah, but, you know, we, we you're saying that with the current map, we go off and we get all these pretty indications but we, we didn't have them for a long, long time. So, you know, why not go back that way? And if you want your pretty little bits, go off and do the extra mile. Well, because we've, or we've, had, the, we've had the honk and go for so long. Yeah, we would still give you honk and go. It would still show you where the planets are. It just wouldn't show you that, oh, that's a shiny one. 
I think the, the key issue is that, you know, as an ex, ex well, I am currently an explorer, although I might not actually get there, um, even though I'm, I'm painfully close. But, you know, it's, it's the ability to go to a system, and I think the key issue that this offers everybody is the opportunity to find all the stuff that Frontier keep telling us is out there that nobody's found yet. And that's the huge, huge positive for this new exp you know, exploration system. The concern yeah. is that they have overcomplicated the time involved in travelling and just capturing. So, for example, you know, the way that we do currently explore is you go jump, honk, scoop, quick, look, nope, next, 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 and you keep doing that all the way, and then you might get to a point where actually you're feeling a little bit more, I'm going to scan a couple of things here and just see what's going on. At no point do we use explorers at this current point unless we're out to do it, do we think, I'll go and scan all the planets and see if there's anything interesting that I can go and look at. You just don't do that. That's not of interest. You're looking for that high-value target and then moving on because all in your head is about getting to where you're going as quickly as you can but collecting as much information and only stopping to look at the interesting stuff. And, yeah, I think we're going Given to Given the volume of things in the Milky Way that we may have to spend time looking at, being able to filter the wheat from the chaff quickly yeah, the seems quick, like a, the a quick. good option, doesn't it? Should I be looking here? You know, as I say, if it was a, a list of percentages, it sends out a quick ping, comes back with the percentage chances of Earth-likes, water worlds, or categorised like that and um, maybe the sort of total count of bodies that it reckons are there and then having to use the minigame to resolve where those bodies are and to fill the system map might be a nice compromise whereby as an explorer you can go this system doesn't interest me but other people might be going, I'm looking for gas giants. I'm going to go and collect some gas giants information. And that might then be able to tie in more to mission boards where they will send you out on a mission to find suitable gas giant planets uh, in the sort of certain circumference of light years. Um, and then, then you've got a reason for using all three. So your honk to get a quick breakdown. Is it worth looking here? Your scans to identify the bodies more specifically, and then your 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 um, your dro drones drones your fucking thingies probes. probes. When you go off and lob your balls all over the planet, yeah, then that that for the more detailed planetary information would be, I think, uh, a nice system that would allow us all to continue to play without going, well, I ain't going to bother looking at anything anymore, I'm just going to go to where I'm going, do it there, and then come back and wait for someone else to tell me that there's an important system somewhere. I mean, I think that's the thing, it isn't it? No one's going to mind playing either of those mini-games if they know that the end result is they're getting something interesting, but everyone's going to care when it's another rocky body. And that's the other thing, though, Cal, I mean, you want the choice, though, don't you? You want to have that choice between, oh, do I, I'll I don't, I don't care, I'll just need to get the Colonia to do what I want to do, and I don't really care what's on the way, but I just want to get a little bit of, you know... Well, yeah, because if you're on your way and you suddenly go honk, and then you go, oh, crikey, that could be an Earth-like... Oh, it's, it's quite far away. Uh, oh, it's worth a shot. And I think, you know, if the first honk was a percentage chance, so that you're you're not necessarily guaranteed a return on what it says, but that the percentages are enough of a hint that it's worth you thinking, oh, it's only 50% chance of an Earth Lake, or 60% And I can hear chance. the RNG police are wailing at you already. 
can I give a quick shout out to Reliance Saber who's come off and raided us as well, please? So, hi, Commander. Hey. Hi, Commander. And yeah, the the, the the other the other thing that kind of like hit my sensibility button is we've had telescopes since Ga since Galileo. So why can't we use a telescope just to look out of the window? And why do we have to faff around with twiddling knobs? Why can't we just look out the window and use a telescope and stuff to see what it looked like? Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's all sorts of questions there. Why can't I jump into a system, fire a probe off, and go to sleep for eight hours and have the whole system mapped when I wake up? Um, it, it, they've got to make some concessions to gameplay, haven't they, over simulation or realism? Um, they have, but it's such an obvious one. Why can't I use a telescope? You know, it just seems... But, but anyway, so the, the other good thing that I did mention, touching on something Cal said, though, and it is good, is they are improving the way in which um, points of interest are displayed on planets. So if you, if you come across a planet with uh, a Braintree forest or Guardian ruins or whatnot, then the probes will reveal where on that planet's surface yeah i think that's great there's also a thing isn't there like you you could find a thargoid structure on the surface and scan it and then you get a sort of uh, um a system map entry for it so that you can go there again but finding it in the first place if you don't have like a third party website telling you where to look or whatever is actually quite tricky um, so have, being able to just discover that stuff in the game without using external tools, that is a great step. Yeah, I mean, they are not, though, as far as we know, allow, allowing you to use like a GPS on a planet's surface. You still have to uh, either use a third-party tool or fly around until you find it. Is that right? I was maybe under the mistaken impression that, like, in the same way, if I've gone and scanned a, like, a nav beacon on a planet, not a nav beacon, a um, tourist beacon on a planet's surface, and it then shows up in my system map, I thought that's how they'd work with the probe. So if you do a full mapping of a planet's surface and there are any, like, landing sites of note, they would show up as subsites on the body. It does, but I was just thinking about generally if I wanted to find a location that isn't a POI. It, I don't know. Let's say maybe there's an unusual rock formation or a deep crater or a high mountain or something like that of interest. Well, um, hopefully with the new system, that interesting rock formation or whatever, if it's tagged in their back end, that could just show up as a POI once you've scanned the system and, you know, just like that Thargoid site does or whatever. Maybe that's how we will be breadcrumbed to the things that have been in the game forever that no one's ever found because there's like 100 million planetary bodies to explore. Like, that's where I would hope that they're taking that is so that they can breadcrumb us, or well, not breadcrumb us, but give us the tools to find these things on a planet without actually having to fly over every metre of land. So I think it's definite improvements and stuff like that. As I say, it's just this initial mini game that I, I'm concerned about in it. Everything else, I think, is, is good. But I totally agree with you, and I think it's a really it is got to be a matter that they give some careful consideration to. And it was obvious from their forum thread that that is probably the biggest sticking point for how the community will react when the new exploration system comes along. 
I mean, it has implications for stuff like Distant Worlds 2, for example. If the if Hong Kong Go isn't available for Distant Worlds 2, I wonder how many people are going to think, oh, I'm not doing that for the next three months. Yeah, and maybe they will actually have to, like, once we've tested the, the new system a little bit, maybe they'll have to actually revisit their flight plan and maybe that Distant Worlds 2's duration might end up being more like four or five months than three months so that they can make the stops and scan the systems and fit all that in that they wanted to. Yeah, I think I'm still sticking with what I, I want players to be given a choice. Choices, consequences of, of gameplay. You know, do you compromise your build of your ship? Or do you take the uh, the extra work involved in not doing so? That's a sort of interesting stuff, question. For I mean, annoyingly, anyway. annoyingly, though, if I was going on an exploration, I would want access to both of those systems. I'd want the Hong Kong Go to be able to quickly identify planetary bodies, but then I'd want to play the mini-game doing all of the stuff in the systems that did have interesting stuff. I just don't want to be bothered with it in the systems that are barren, you know. So what would you want the minigame to actually give you on top of Hong Kong Go, then? If well, Hong Kong I... Go gives you what we have just now, what extra should minigame give? Well, so Hong Kong Go gives a bit more than I think it should give. In the, At the moment, we identify the planetary bodies, and you get first discovery for them, don't you? And if you go scan them, you also get extra data that gives you plus money. Well, Hong Kong Go um, doesn't actually give you any discovered data. You actually have to surface scan it or scan yeah, it manually. In that case, then it would it be uh, yeah, it should be exactly what we have now. And you play the first mini game to get first discovered by a planet, and you play the new mini game with the probes if you want the mapped by tag. You know, both mini games are involved in getting a different tag on a system, but you could still bong the system and pick where you wanted to go and play those mini games at. Like, I think one of the things you're worried about, Sham, was if there's like a sub-star in this system and it's like 200,000 light seconds away and it doesn't get hit by my bong, I have to trek all the way out there just to find out, you know, and then do the little mini-game again to see if there's any interesting bodies in that area of the system. And, like, that is a big extra chunk of time than just I can look straight away and see from 150 bodies, oh, look, there's three interesting ones at the second star. Well, the other interesting question is, will the system of using sounds work still? Yeah, because you can identify planets by their audio cues, can't you? Off the system. Yes, map. you can. Yes, you can. Like water worlds sound like running water, and um, ice planets sound like cracking ice a bit. Like if you zoom in. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, be sad if that goes the, by the wayside in any way. Cause that I'm not that sure how it would really integrate cool with either. Yeah, it is a really cool touch. Um, yeah, interesting. Good question. Hadn't thought of that. Before. Anyway, we should probably think about wrapping this up and moving on. Well, I'm just waiting to wait for Cow to get to Beagle Point. He looks within a very couple of jumps away. <laughs> I'm not... How far off are you, Grant? 300 and... A ninety-three light years, but I I can't find a way to it. Show <laughs> <laughs> me the way to be. Yeah. Do you know yeah. the way to Beagle Point? I cannot get there. It won't let me. It's a bugger. I'm just trying to work out where I've got. I've done to here, which is not far at all. But it's um, 
it's 50 jumps to get here, so I'm having to go up and around and spiral to get round, and I don't know that I can get in any closer to make it my jump range from this side. What's your maximum jump, Cal? 35, although I've got some jumponium. You need a 32, I believe, jump range to get a bigger point without using jumponium. So technically you can, but your route might be tough. Because yes. I... I did it with a 34 light year before they had engineering stuff, so you can definitely do it. Yeah, I just got to work out the direction to come in from, and I think I've come in a particularly sparse side, uh, and I'm now kind of going around it to get in. There are routes, there are routes, Cal, um, that lead you directly into uh, Beagle Point, so if you follow the route, they're one that takes you directly in. Yeah, Ugh, back to the drawing board. <laughs> At least I'm not on fire. That's a good start. Well, you're not on fire yet. You yeah. should get back. Anyway, should we move on to the community corner, or is there anything else that we need to talk about this? No, I don't think so. We'll just have to see what the, the beta gives. It, it could well be way better than we think, and we are talking nonsense as usual. Or it could mean that we... Um, we need to provide some detailed feedback. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to trying it out. Right, can somebody who can actually talk talk about the community corner stuff, please? Or at least introduce it. Or I can introduce it and someone else can talk about it. So, yeah, Colin's gone off and said, in Top Shift 108, he did the event. Um, we know about that. He's already talked about that, hasn't he? He has a lot did... Yeah, has anybody looked at Commander Fridge's Elite Dangerous box edition of the Eagle? Uh, no. Okay, do you remember a while back we had someone who went off and made the Sidewinder, and they worked out basically how the how all the modules fitted together inside the Sidewinder and where you'd go off and lift, and they showed you a, a VR... Oh, yes, I remember that. Yes. So this yeah, is... and it's the same sort of thing for an eagle. Yeah, so Fridge is doing similar idea, but for the eagle, um, which it's always nice when people go off and work this out. Um, yeah, so. that's really cool. And we've got a bit of a, a visual gag here with... Um, we got a guy, uh, you know the the ship recognition charts. <laughs> so we we do have a ship recognition chart for the Federal Corvette Ironing Board, the Python as a platypus, the crate as a as a dinner table. That looks great. It does, doesn't it? Um, the Type Ten Defender as a space turtle, with or without elephants and planets on it. Um, the 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 Federal assault ships and so on as doorstops. I actually think the crate would make quite a good doorstop, to be honest, or the cobra would be a good one. You know, I could see I could see yourself wedging a cobra into a door and just like, no, you're not going anywhere now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the Type 9 Heavy as a stack of pancakes. Yeah. Dropping in maple syrup or not, I guess, depending on your point of view. Yeah, yeah, I will put a link to that in the show notes so you can go check oh, it definitely. out. Oh, I, I like that. That that ship recognition chart really made me made me smile. I just want to see more ships now. There's only like six done, so excellent yeah, we, job, Commander Ter Ter Teranova. Ter 
Yeah, something like that. Uh, but where are the other like twenty odd, please? <laughs> I haven't seen this Redditor's real life. Has, uh, who? I'm going to make a guess and say that was Colin. But did anybody else do it? I haven't seen this. It okay. looks like a giant Reddit post of awful. Okay, well, we'll link it, and I guess this is something Collins found, and Collins had to go off and deal with it in real life and can't talk about it. Um, I saw Commander Exogenius's, uh, Exogius, however, Exogius, however you pronounce his name. Uh, he did a review of a lot of the hot asses that you can get these days, all the way from the Thrustmaster uh, T-Flight Hot Ass X, all the way up to these new custom bespoke ones that are even more expensive than the Thrustmaster Warthog. Wow. Yeah, um, have any of them got a twist yaw? All of them apart from the Yacht Warthog. Uh, actually, I saw a, um, maybe a year ago, Scott Manley actually did a, like, a flight yoke playing Elite Dangerous, like an $800 sort of simulator uh, aircraft yeah. one, and that looked amazing. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'll see if I can get a link to that, and we'll stick it in a show note at some point. I thought, I'm going to have to... He... <clears throat> oh, God. He really didn't like the Frostmaster T-16000, which actually is my my current joystick, and I have to say, I love it. it there, um, there are a lot of commanders I've seen that love their T-Flight Hotas. Yeah, and it's a nice cheap. It's a nice oh, cheap stick. Oh, the T five hot ass is a nice cheap. You can't complain. It's like thirty five, forty quid. Um, from what nine, I understand, as well, it's an Xbox one. I saw on, um, I think it was the Mobius group earlier today on Facebook. Someone posted a link. The actually the PlayStation four version of it at the moment, which also works on a PC, is actually on sale. So you can get them for like twenty five pounds or something. Okay, that's cool. Um, yeah, yes, I've seen it going up. Sort of periodically, it shows up. Um, Cal, sorry, in Discord you have a list of jumps that will take you into Beagle Point, all needing less than 35 light years. So you can okay. start, Thank you. Start, start the top of the list, and there isn't that many, there's only about 20, 20 odd jumps there. And just sort of work your way down, see which is your closest star, and then just jump to those one by one. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much. I shall. Um... Yeah, have a look and see if I can work out where I am in relation to one of those. Let's have a look at the first one and mm. see, see where I am. <laughs> <laughs> 600 so, jumps to it, probably. Oh, God, I know. you Quite cor probably. Corkscrew around it. There's, there's definitely um, a, an interesting place where I, I've really kind of, you know, egged my way in nice and tidily, and then I've hit this point where it's kind of like, hmm... I, don't I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed navigating the abyss when there were no engineers. I, 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 Ed Lewis got lost in it, and I had to navigate him out of it uh, from sixty-five thousand light years away, telling him what jump was next, and working <laughs> out from and working out from the screen uh, where he could go with his thirty-two light year ship. And it was <laughs> 
I mean, I think it's one of those things that you know. I think people talk about if you are wanting to call yourself an explorer and you've not made a go at it, then you know it's kind of like not going to Colonia or getting your elite ranking and getting your elite ranking in flipping exploration without actually having gone uh, anywhere at all away from the bubble. Um, does not, does not an explorer make you? You need to get out there and find stuff and get mucked you- in and. Can you multi-crew and then plot a route for someone whose ship you're multi-crewed into? Can they give you control of... No. God, that would be great, wouldn't it? Give us a navigator role. Then you could have jumped into Ed's ship and like done his route plotting for him as he well, jumped that, out of there. That is one of the things they talked about, though, with multi-crew improvements with um, the exploration stuff. They talked about using probes in multi-crew to um, map planets quicker. Unless, of course, you get a right twonk who then fires all the probes off in one go and then leaves. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, it's not, I mean, that's not bad. That's um, you're one of those hassles of being, uh, and I suppose, in any multi-crews that you might get somebody in that's uh, an absolute... Bellend, uh, um, but you know, I think you know the navigation was definitely something that they were talking about when they were developing multi-crew. That was definitely what they were suggesting one of the roles could be. And I think you know you're right. If you've got someone, give them some unique tools that make it more interesting and fun to be a navigator. And, and then you've got uh, exploration teams. I suppose I suppose the, the sort of downside to those kind of things ever being really truly realised is the fact that people quit the game at different times and aren't there to continue so you're never really going to get that wonderful consistency that you might like um, of everyone go, turns up at 9 o'clock jump on, you do your shift for a couple of hours and then you're out again but I think you're definitely right being able to sort of say to someone look I need help, can you come and help me get across this place because I'm going round in circles and I'm lost and they can jump in and the experienced pilot just sits there and goes right, your next prop is this one and your next done, there you go, right, now we're through that part let's go, and that'd be kind of cool Yeah Anything where you're playing with players that's the key thing, isn't it? Are you anywhere close, Cal? Um, I am 545 light years away from the very first um, <laughs> of your recording. Is that further away from Beagle Point? So are, you, yes. are you heading away from Beagle Point there? So choose somewhere in the middle of the list exactly and see where you are. Arse biscuits. I've just uh, deleted the... the <laughs> I've just deleted the, the whole text that I spent five seconds typing in. Right, let's go and have a look at this. Uh, I see that next on the list is Ben is meant to be going to EGX this weekend, but I don't think he will be somehow. I probably will. Whatever I've got, I'm sure I'll be over Friday. We don't have to talk anyway at EGX, do you? Oh, well, I do. I usually spend at EGX interviewing people, so that kind of ruins my throat, because obviously at conferences you're shouting at people, trying to speak above the background noise. Get get them to read cards. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) So, yeah, anyway, I'm going to be going to EGX. I I don't think any of you guys are, are you? I think I'm the only one coming. Yeah, I can't make it. Yeah. But if any commanders are going to be going, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, Discord. Give me a holler and we can meet up and get a beer or something like that. We can do whatever. Hell, I can interview you and put you on the show or something. 
Yeah. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Be Lots part of, things of the we can show. Do. Catch Ben's Lurgy for free. <laughs> hey, if it's tonsillitis, I will. I will offer free kisses to anyone who wants Lurgy. With added tongue. With or without added tongue. Um, so next thing on the list it would be LaveCon 2019 is from the 4th to the 7th of July next year, funnily enough because it's 2019, still in the Sedgwick Hall Hotel and I think that's really about all we know about it at the moment isn't it? I haven't heard any, oh, the tickets are usually on sale towards you know January, February time aren't they? Yeah, they are yeah so, we have the CQC Discord for your discerning commander who likes their CQC action. Uh, that's still going off, and I believe it might be the same guys doing, I think I read something about their fourth season of this or something now. So, I might be, might be somebody else is doing their fourth season of, D, of CQC. Um, anyway, if you want, you can talk to those guys at discord.me slash CQC. And we've got a couple of birthday celebrations as well, actually, don't we? So, Happy birthday I think to Ben. Not me. No. 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 You Not just me. wanted an excuse to sing again, Cal, really, wasn't it? I don't need an excuse. It's just Grant, Grant doesn't know. Now, <laughs> um, so, nah, I do want to say, though, so, happy birthday to Sagittarius I. Um, they've... Wow, they're a year old already. I know. But I can't imagine the community without them. They've done so much... And yeah. the magazine is so awesome and just looks great, and it's going from strength to strength. Um, yeah, those guys are really pro. Yeah, it's awesome. And I, I met up with them, actually. I was in London a couple of weeks ago. Well, last yeah, last week. And I met up with Souverine and Alec Turner um, from Sagai. And Alec Turner, well, Alec Turner from basically everything. And Souverine from Sagittarius Eye. Um, we met up and had a very nice beer at the Euston Tap, and that was... That was that was damn tasty, actually. You sound like you could um, do with a beer right now as well. I, I really could, actually. A nice cold one would be would go down very nicely, um, or quite a, or a nice smooth one. Hmm. Maybe both. I don't know. And celebrating the third birthday is our baby sister, who's kind of bigger, fatter, uglier, more disturbed, and further away. Thank God. Happy birthday, the to you, <laughs> the <laughs> the orbital radio. I can't believe you guys are three years old as well. And, it's scary, you know, isn't it? It really is. Happy uh, birthday yeah. to Steve. Go on, Grant. Get it all out. What? what really? Get even, it out. Even, yeah. even with the door shut. <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> it's been it's been awesome to be part of the Hunting Truckers for three years. From that original community goal, we did a sort of special show last weekend. Uh, we got an opportunity for people to share their memories from the original community goal three years ago, and yeah, where we are now, which is bizarre and strange but awesome and uh, congratulations and thank you to everybody who has uh, ever done something for the Hutton Truckers or been involved or just come along and added the sense of nuttiness to us <laughs> yeah. we, know we know why it's a bit nutty Grant yes I don't know what that's about. Yeah. yeah, I think it's I think it's um <laughs> it's um it's Dave Pearson he keeps dropping nut no it's not it's Alvin's nuts it's of course right Right, has anybody else got anything else they're wanting to say about anything else? I'm going to take that as a no. So in that case then, I'm going to thank EIC. We had both Mac... Um, I can't remember Mac's last name now. 
Mac Winston and Nicholas Smith here, and we've been filling their loads with, with brandy this evening. <laughs> Sorry. Brandy for all. Yeah. So lots lots of brandy for for Mac and for for Icarus. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to Commander Penguinis, uh, Cal Vasquez, Sledge Collier, Paul Archer, Holly Doodle, and I'm sorry I crashed into your Holly Doodle, even though it was actually my my ship launch fighter into your ship launch fighter. Uh, I still apparently got a bounty for killing you virtually or something. I don't know. But anyway, right. sorry sorry about that, but hi. Uh, Sky Whisperer's been around. Zersty von Stanhem's been about. Icarus Smith, we've already said. Miggles has been about. Um, Kogel's here, obviously. Whoever's here. Ro, Ro Laren's here. Small Furry Rodent's been about. PK7. Um, Duma, Morgenstern. Nephilius, Azrian. Um, DK Leon. Uh, Collie's go. Collie three eighty eight's been here. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been busy around late this evening. So thank you very much, guys. And so EIC are just telling us that we've given them over four hundred tons today, apparently. Nice, which is, good job. Which is nice little bit of brandy there for them. So right, has anybody got any final, final, final things before I go and actually try and wrap this thing up? I'm going to take that as a no. So, all right, let's see if I can do this without coughing. Go on, Ben. That's it for... <coughs> you twat! <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh! <laughs> Just for that, Grant, you can finish it. <laughs> That's it for another episode of Live Radio. That's nine degrees of separation from Ben's germs. If you would like to get in touch with the show, then you, by proxy. By proxy, you can email info at laveradio.com. You can go to facebook.com forward slash laveradio at laveradio on Twitter. You can join our discount chat, Discord chat channel by going to discord.io forward slash laveradio. Or if you want and you're not banned, you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat. Teamspeak.laveradio.com Lave Radio is recorded live-ish on a Tuesday evening at half past 8pm BST, GMT or any UK time, not game time and streamed out on laveradio.com forward slash live or on twitch.tv forward slash laveradio as well. Thank you to whoever who is obviously in the chat. Hi whoever, you get a personal thank you because it's in the notes but it's not. Thank you to Ben for facing... You know, certain death from the uh, flesh-eating virus <laughs> that's currently eating its way through his vocal cords. Thank you to Kurgle and to Shan, and thank you for the help getting me to BeagleCon. Uh, Beagle, Beagle Point. <clears throat> and thanks, of course, to poor old Colin, who is currently in knee-deep in bodily fluids. Um, uh, not in a good way. Uh, I think that's not his own ones. Yeah, not in his own. No, that would be disgusting. Somebody else's. Oh, that's even worse. Anyway, yeah. and thank you to all <laughs> of you commanders out there that joined us tonight, whether you're watching on Twitch or you're out there around the station. And I'm going to sing us out with a, a wonderful little song. Here we go, everyone. Hold on to your hats. Keep it tuned to late. No, I'm only joking. Until next time, <laughs> fly safe. And if you can't do that, of course, fly dangerous. Your life
Digest, 18th of September, 3304. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Expo in doubt as tech fails to deliver. Free horse race under starter's orders. Thargoids advance behind Gnosis smokescreen. Expo in doubt as tech fails to deliver. Ethical investors are reported to have abandoned Herculean machines like rats leaving a sinking ship. Following revelations that founder and owner Maddox Heard has close links with the Red Family Crime Syndicate. Recently declassified documents reveal that the Red Family invested heavily in the startup company five years ago and would profit substantially were the Durodrive to be a success. Heard was also pictured smoking onion head during an interview in a system where the drug is legal. While Heard has done nothing illegal, his actions mean that he's on the Federal Security Services watch list. And it seems to be this that has spooked investors. However, ancient religious organisation, the Church of England, has stated that it will continue to hold shares in Herculean machines. With rival company Supratex Vision of wearable hollow technology quite literally going up in smoke last week. And with the news that the development of fleet carriers is on hold, it looks likely that multi-billionaire Arthur Rackham's Ultratech Expo at the beginning of October will be cancelled, confirming fears that there will be no Expo this year. Three-horse race under starter's orders. Two more candidates have thrown their hats into the ring for the no-holds-barred beauty contest that is the Alliance presidential campaign. Joining incumbent Gibson Kincaid, who is seeking a second term, are experienced Assembly member Elijah Beck and business leader Fazia Silva. Career politician of four decades, Beck, who hails from Leasty, 
is seen as a safe pair of hands seeking to maintain the status quo. Shrewd operator Silver seeks to leverage her considerable business acumen to boost the economies of the Alliance systems, delivering real-world cost-of-living benefits to the people. Incumbent Kincaid is seeking a major shake-up of the presidential system, something that has led to accusations of feathering his own nest. It looks like the presidency will be hotly contested in what may be the most important election of our lifetime. Polls show broadly equal support for all three candidates, and with the likely result too close to call, all three candidates will spend the next month pressing the flesh in Alioth and pointing out that although they have the strongest grassroots organisation, it's all going to come down to the turnout, and the only poll that matters is the one on election day which in this case is Tuesday the 16th of October. This election could be a game-changer. Thargoids advance behind Gnosis smokescreen. With all eyes on the now successfully concluded battle for the Gnosis, Tharg the Mighty's fleet of interceptors has moved inexorably closer to Sol. Last week, targeted system LFT-434 escaped attack. But Walgal has suffered damage, giving the tentacle-wielding aliens a bridgehead to both UGP-145 and Agastani, which at 29 light-years is the closest system to Sol yet targeted. Tharg the Mighty has issued a reassuring statement, emphasising that while the Thargoids do indeed plan to visit Sol, the people of Earth have nothing to fear and that the Thargoids are in fact tourists, keen to see Salisbury Cathedral, which is famous throughout the galaxy for its spire. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.